Your kid does not need to be cool. <laughs> and your kid does not need to fit in. Your kid needs to not have mental health plague them for the rest of their life because of seeing things they didn't need to see at a young age. Right. Welcome to the Biblically Centered Podcast. Yes. Episode numero... Six, I think, right? Well, seis, but yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was not catching Number on six. to the... Uh, not catching on to my... Yeah. <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my name is Johnny Jordan. This is Danica Jordan, my wife. We are married together in union under the Lord. And... <laughs> Uh, Danica is going to grace us with our mission statement. Love that. Biblically Centered equips your family with knowledge and conversations for you to live and defend your Christian faith. That's right. And like I said, this is episode number six. Yes. So we are moving on um, to our next virtue, which is virtue E. Yes. Uh, But virtue E says that we exercise self-control in our words and actions, even when faced with temptation. Correct. Yes. So this is a good one, an important one. All right. Um, I'm going to give us our definitions because we love our definitions. We love definitions. We do. (laughs) Exercise um, means to use or practice to acquire a skill. It can also mean preparatory practice or to practice habitually. To train to use. Good job getting through that. (laughs) Thank you. It's early in the morning. Um, So basically, you are practicing to gain something. And then um, two definitions, which I thought were important for us to kind of define, and then we can talk about them throughout the rest of the episode, is self-control versus self-discipline. So obviously, our virtue says self-control. Self-control means restraint hold back, suppress, or to curb ungodly desires. But our hope from this virtue is that we would develop self-discipline. And self-discipline means intentional, purposeful managing and determining of what we say or do. So we want to uh, kindle holy desires. So through self-control, we will therefore develop Mm self-discipline. Yeah, sort of like this. the discipline is the result of practicing self-control. Correct. Yeah. It's kind of like you're getting stronger. Correct. So the hope would be is as we facilitate and exercise this virtue that it would develop those traits that then in the future make it easier to say no automatically mm-hmm. um, than to wrestle with that. So you go through the wrestling so that then... It's just easier down the road. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in training yourself and saying no to the right things, but also saying yes to the, or saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Okay. I'm sitting here drinking this coffee. I promise this might be maybe a long story, but it'll tie back to, <laughs> oh, no. we got to start each episode with a long story. Okay. But I'm sitting here drinking this coffee. So this, the coffee I'm drinking today is Folgers. Okay. Right. Which is not the normal coffee that we drink, but we keep a, it's not, it used to be a tin, but now it's plastic. So just a tub, a tub, a tub. (laughs) We keep a tub of Folgers, um, in our pantry area for my dad. Whenever he visits, uh, he likes the Folgers. So we have some here for him, but it was essentially, we ran out of our coffee and, um, I didn't feel like going out and buying more, so I just used his Folgers for this morning. Anyways, but when I taste his Folgers, it brings me back to when I was a young lad, not being allowed to drink coffee in my own home, but going to my friend's house, um, which I won't name his name on here, but there was a friend of mine I had all growing up who we spent a lot of time at each other's houses on the weekends. Um, His parents drank coffee and let him drink coffee, so I would... Uh, you probably know this story. I would drink the coffee at his house. Um, and my parents didn't know. Um, but it was Folgers. And so this, like drinking, so it's weird how the taste profile of Folgers brings me back to that era of my life of uh, being a little kid and 
drinking this flavor of coffee, playing video games on a Saturday morning, you know, as an eight year old and my parents having being none the wiser. Um, I'm not done. And, (laughs) but on a, you know, on a deeper level, there's a, like we've had the conversation around and I'm sure plenty of parents who listen to this have a conversation around just the, the notion and the fact that like, you know, we live in a very unique time. It's unlike the nineties. Um, like there is so much media and opportunity for your eyes to see and do things that they don't need to be seeing and doing is, you know, at certain stages of life, yada, yada. But like, we've had conversations around like kids being allowed to stay the night at another kid's house. And for me, from my perspective, I'm like, well, I had great memories growing up, staying the night at my friend's houses. Um, but then like when I really, really, really think about it, all, anything that, um, I did growing up that would like maybe caused a temptation or a struggle or just something I had to deal with was usually a byproduct of something that I experienced at a friend's house. You know what I mean? You know, as a very, very young teenager, the first time I saw things on the internet for lack of better terms, I shouldn't have seen was at a friend's house, mm-hmm. um, watching R rated movies for the first time that was at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it created struggles or challenges in my life. And so like, it's just important for parents to know who their kids are spending time with. Mm-hmm. And my friend group was great. Like I still talk to most of them today. Um, and we've gone through a lot of stuff together and, you know, now being older, realize some of the stuff we did when we were younger obviously was unwise, but you know, you're 12, 13 experiencing these things for the first time. And, um, but I think it's important cause like there is a little bit of distinction differences between our kids friend situation in our current environment versus mine. Cause mine was, I had really close friends from school, mm-hmm. but our parents weren't in a relationship with each other. Like, you yeah. know, my parents weren't friends with his parents or, you know, his parents really. Yeah. Um, whereas for us, I feel like all of our kids, the friends that they have, we are also in close relationship with their parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that builds a little bit of trust in terms of the expectations. Um, not to say that everyone parents the same, but there's kind of a common ground of what we expect in terms of our, of our kids and understand. And we talk about like a lot of them are our life group friends. Like we talk a lot about the dangers and temptations that we face and also ones that our kids will be facing now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess I say all that to say this coffee (laughs) this morning plays well into exercising self-control because like when I think about this flavor profile, it just reminds me of some of those times in my life where I didn't exercise, exercise self-control because I just wanted to experience these yeah. things that were kind of new for me at that, at that stage of life. And we, and we didn't have the parental guidance in that home to yeah. even ask what we were doing. We yeah. kind of just had free range in the house. Yeah. So does that make sense? I think so. Cool. Brought it around. I think making friends as an adult, um, especially for someone like me who I had the fortunate, fortunate situation to grow up in the same school district in the same house, same neighborhood with literally like my four core friends all through growing up we all met in preschool or kindergarten and we all lived in the same houses and went to the same school all through graduation like none of us moved any so it was like this and this these were my friends yeah these this was them yeah i didn't feel like i needed to make a large group (laughs) of friends i mean i had other friends through church and stuff like you know more acquaintances but not like my core group of friends and then then you and then you do what? And then we became friends. And then you and I became friends. <laughs> and then I had a, yeah. <laughs> Dating is a little bit different motivation. But, um, but yeah, then getting married and, and moving to a new state and then just not knowing anyone mm-hmm. and then trying to make new friends. And it's just, that was a challenge for me. Yeah, because you hadn't done that in. Yeah, well, and you know, for me being my personality type, like, Almost to a fault, I want my relationships to be meaningful. Correct. Like I don't do very well with surface level stuff. Yeah. I can I know I know it's a skill that I can develop in terms of like small talk, but small talk is not my strong suit. <laughs> no. Especially if we're talking about taxes, weather, and grass. Like it's like just my gosh, like what are we talking about? 
Unless I'm talking to our friend Curtis, who actually is going to say, oh, no, you threw Curtis under the Well, bus. when I say talking about grass, I'm talking about like to the neighbor, like, oh, grass is green. And you're like, yeah, what kind of seed you let? You know, it's like, I don't know. But like Curtis is different because he's a good friend of ours and his job is like the dude's a wizard. So that's different because it's actually a passion He actually has knowledge, yes. It's, but it's actually something I can talk to him about on, Correct. A, on a passion level, not like a, just to kill time. Yes. So it's different. Okay. So. Sorry, Curtis, if you listen to this. So <laughs> right. like plenty of people, you know, meeting people in church and in the college we were attending at the time, like you meet people that you're like, oh, yeah, they're cool. We can hang out. But in terms of like me feeling like they're a friend. Yeah, your people. Me. Yes. And it was crazy because we went and visited our hometown in Texas a month ago or so. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a friend that I was able to hang out with that I hadn't seen in a decade. But being with that friend who I hadn't seen in such a long time, but who was such a cornerstone friend of mine growing up, it was just kind of like we just clicked right back. Even though like there's a little bit of differences in the paths our lives lives have taken since high school, there still was like this element of like sitting down together and talking where it was just like we knew each other. Yeah. And it was just different. Yeah. And so I kind of missed that type of friendship of like we experienced, like I have memories of this kid when he was five. And now here we are in our 30s, you know, just still talking. So um anyways i'm gonna read our first verse so we can keep this truck on the road roads are getting a little slick out there (laughs) (laughs) first corinthians 10 13 says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man god is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it through that verse, we want to teach our kids, obviously, everyone else struggles with temptation. Um, however, that verse says that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And I think sometimes it can be like, oh, I'm tempted. I guess I'm just going to do it. Or, oh, I'm just already here, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like we want to equip our children to know that temptation doesn't mean that you've already done it that you can stop and that that is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because what it also says, I don't know if we'll read the verse, but you know, like Jesus was also tempted as we were yet without sin. You know, I've heard lots of stories of people and they have like a secret text message or emoji with their kids that if their kid ever texts that to them, the parents like without question, I will come get you. Like, I don't even care. And make up a story of like, the parent will take that on for themselves. So the kid doesn't feel like, Oh no, everyone's going to think. Um, and so I think that's really important even when they're young to just establish that trust of like, Hey, temptation, that is okay. Like I want to help you through that temptation. I'm trying to help you. So you don't sin, you know, and just, yeah. And I, that's a good distinction because I know not necessarily my experience, but I know there's probably a lot of parents who don't have that open door of communication with their kids. Like their philosophy is more so like, man, I hope my kid doesn't mess up and that's kind of where they leave it. And they don't really sit down with their child and communicate that you're going to be faced with temptation. Right. There's going to be things you see that tempt you. There's going to be friends that want you to do things that you know, aren't right. Um, but you, maybe you want to fit in or whatever, and you're just, you're going to feel the temptation. Like we understand like that's a part of life. I mean, even me as an adult, I still face temptations. Mm-hmm. It's just part of it. But I think it's an important, healthy practice for parents to have those conversations with their kids regularly. Um, so that the kids know that like mom and dad are on their side. Right. Um, and we're not, the idea is like, we're not going to excommunicate you from the family if you mess up. But we want you to know that we get it, that temptation is out there. And if you're yeah. being faced with a temptation, that's, you know, talk to us. We, we want yeah. to we want to help. Um, we don't want you to feel like you're on an island facing this temptation because there's plenty of terribly sad stories out there, of, oh, yeah. um, especially with social media, of people getting um, bullied, blackmailed, blackmailed yeah. um, by these random people on the Internet who like convince them to do something inappropriate on 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 their phone and then blackmail it that if they don't do this, this and this, they're going to send these photos out to the wide web. And so, I mean, there's been suicides that have been a byproduct of that because the kids didn't feel like they had someone they could turn to, to figure this out. Right. They thought I've already gone too far. Like I've already going to ruin my life. Right. So I just have to. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and that's extremely, extremely sad. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we just want to do everything we can in our power to let our kids know that we are on their side. We understand that temptation, even for the strongest, most godly person, you know, temptation is in all of us. Yeah. I think the difference between the people who fail and the people who don't most commonly is just the accountability and the, and the community they have in their life to kind of, right. Yeah. If you put in a plan, that's a little easier of like, okay, I'm tempted, but I know my mom can come pick me up. Cause mm-hmm. we've already talked about it. You know, if you haven't talked to your kid, then they're like, uh, like, do I have to call mom? Then I have to explain it. And then it's just like this whole huge thing. Whereas if you've already made it easy, like, Hey, I don't care. Text or tell me this and I will be there. Then there's like this, like, whew, okay. I already know it's going to be taken care of. And then you can give it like a day or two and then come back around and be like, Hey, thank you. I'm glad that you let me know about this temptation. Let's kind of talk through that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think also in those moments, what you don't want to do is be like, Oh no, you were tempted and like get on them. Like you should reward them for admitting that right. they were tempted. Um, so, so the whole um, point of this is that we would be God dependent instead of other dependent. And so it says self-control le- lends itself to every area of our life. So even through temptation and these things, we want to be dependent on God for getting us through instead of others. Obviously, as a child, they're going to be other dependent, mm-hmm. but then you kind of lead them. Okay, how do I transfer that to God right. and be God dependent? And so it says self-control can also be used for things that are good for us. I think everyone's heard the phrase, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So... <laughs> This week was Halloween. We don't go crazy, but the kids did get some candy. And even though candy can be good, too much candy can be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And as our three, five, and seven-year-olds still haven't learned that, (laughs) we've had to do some major limiting on the candy um, eating Yeah, uh, to make sure. Because obviously, if we were just to let them eat their whole bucket of candy, it would not go well for them nor us having to clean it so um and that will be built over time with trust so right now they obviously don't know why they can't eat 17 pieces of candy Mm -hmm. but later they might decide to eat it or sneak it and then they will find out yeah oh mom and dad were actually pretty smart yeah (laughs) and so self-control Um, also can apply to things other than our actions. So a lot of this has just been things that we're doing. But self-control can also be our thoughts or attitude. I know that we tell our kids a lot, like you are in control of your attitude. So if you are tempted to be mad at your brother over that, or if you are tempted to be, um, you know, upset about this, like let's think through, is that action or or is that attitude worth it for that situation mm-hmm. um and so even with our thoughts um that's a big one to try to help our kids understand and recognize that they are in control of their thoughts mm-hmm. yeah and, and also teaching the importance of taking those thoughts captive yeah and like this ties back to the temptation side thing too because like we said temptations they come and most commonly they start with a thought and so like the ability to take your thoughts captive. And I mean, it is something you have to train. It's like when the thought enters your mind, yeah. don't entertain it, but learn to take every thought captive. Um, like for me, a lot of times, if I'm faced with a thought that I know isn't of God or a thought that uh, is putting me in some sort of temptation, like I'm that crazy guy who will sometimes just murmur under my breath, like speaking to it to go mm-hmm. away kind of thing. Or like, you know, Christ in me is bigger than you, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and and it helps. I mean, as silly as it is, I try not to do it in, if I'm in public, but. <laughs> well, no, and you help me with that too. I think sometimes I can wake up or things can happen with the kids. Are you talking about this morning? No, this morning was fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was fine, everyone. Um, but those times where I have in my life thought or texted Johnny, like, I can't do it. How am I going to make it through the day? Those kind of things. He's like, okay, but what are you telling yourself? Because you're already, you're telling yourself you can't do it. Like that's, that's not a good place to start from. Cause then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can. And then it's just on and on and on. Whereas if you're like, no, you know what? 
I've done this however many days. God has helped me. We will make it through school. We will make it. And I think you just have to, um, yeah, speaking the word to yourself and over your situation is so important. Obviously, prayer as well. But if you're able to find those Bible verses that can help kind of pull you out of those times where you feel a little funky or a little in the ditch, um, that's really important. It yeah. can be really helpful. So, I mean, there's a lot of lies we believe about ourselves that aren't, that are not from anyone else's mouths. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my coworkers I used to work with, uh, always dealt with like anytime there was a photo of her, she'd always make a comment like, Oh, you know, I don't like the way I look or my hair or this or, you know, and it's just, I was like, I asked her, I was like, has anyone ever actually said these things to you? Like all the things, like every time you have a photo that you always comment on, has anyone ever said those things to you? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, no. I was like, so who is telling you? Uh, like it literally is just a lie that you're believing about yourself. Right. And now you're convinced that the whole world also thinks these things about you. When in reality, it just started as a thought that you took, that you believed as truth. And now it's, you turn it into part of your personality right. as being like, yeah, just lacking self-confidence for something that most of the world probably doesn't even think is true. Right. So, but that's a good question. Like even when Adam and Eve were naked and God says, who told you you were naked? Um, it's like that same kind of thought. It's like these people who are believing the things they believe. It's like, well, who told you that? Cause that's not in the word. We don't think that about you. Yeah. People aren't saying that about you. So why, what is it? Who told you those things about you that you're believing is truth? Yeah. And I think, well, and I think you and I have finally gotten to this. You know, we're in our thirties, mid thirties. Oh my gosh, mid thirties. Um. Anyways, but I think at this point in our life, it's like you think about. Okay, I think about myself. How much during the day? Like it's a lot. You just naturally, obviously, are thinking about yourself, and it's like, okay, if you were to really think about it, everyone else is also thinking that about themselves. Their attention is not actually on you mm. as much as you think it is. So it's like no one's actually thinking about you. Yeah. Okay. Our problem isn't always that we do the wrong thing. It's that we don't do the right thing. Almost like um, the, the Samaritan. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like no one did the wrong thing per se, you know, but no one did the right thing except for the Samaritan. Right. So the, the priest and the other gentlemen, they, I mean, you could say they were in the wrong, but were they really doing the wrong thing? No, because culturally they were doing what they were taught to do, but the Samaritan actually did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so teaching our kids that there is power in doing the right thing, even if no one else is going to do that. Like sometimes it's not enough to do just nothing. Sometimes you do have to act. And do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what we want for our kids is th- this path of self-control to self-discipline to them being able to have that framework to be able to listen to God's voice and do the right thing. Yeah. Um, is that it's, it's a, it's becomes a byproduct of who we are. Yeah. Um, Cause we obviously know that like, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for a good work. Right. And so now that we have Christ and the Holy Spirit, um, it's like as we're in step with the Holy Spirit, um, like the fruits of that is what we want our life to be because doing the right thing can still be self-serving if, if you're doing it for some sort of notoriety or some sort of check mark or to make yourself feel better. I mean, still, I was still nice to do the right thing, but we want doing the right thing just to be a byproduct of the overflow of correct. So our hope is because this is virtue E. So we've had A, B, C and D obviously before that's the alphabet way to go. Wow. I know you guys. Um, so we've already taught our kids to adore and revere God. We've talked to them about belief in the Holy spirit. We've talked to them about committing their lives to Christ. And we've talked to them about being dedicated to getting to know God. Mm-hmm. And those are the four, I would say main pillars of this whole thing that we've written and so this is the first one where it's like okay these are some of my choices that I'm going to start making in my life but I'm going to make those choices in accordance to the pillars that I already have so I'm going to make my choices based on 
my belief in God, my adoration for him, my dedication. And so, like you said, it's a byproduct of the things that we've already gone over Mm -hmm. and put in place. It's not always just about killing our sin. It's about cultivating the fruits of righteousness, which I think that goes along with kind of what we just said. Mm -hmm. So the things that you want in your life, you want to grow and make those the big things. And then I think it's easier to kind of pluck out the things that aren't good. Right. Yeah. And we've talked about cultivating a few times on this podcast so far, but, um, it's a good verb. It is a good verb, especially, and I like the, I always like the fruits of righteousness kind of comparison and, you know, um, the fact that like, we're going to be known by our fruit Mm -hmm. and like, you can't produce a fruit that's not, in your roots, if that makes sense. And so the importance of understanding your roots or your foundation and those things being solid and secure, and then the life that is produced from that mm-hmm. will be the life that's produced from that. Yeah. But you can't just be staring at your, your branches, looking at the fruit of your life and be like, I should change my fruit and then just start plucking on the fruit off and hoping something else will grow. It's not going to work. Yeah. You have to, it's a, it's a, you it's have a to root plant thing. and cultivate mm-hmm. the other yeah. aspects, right? Even mm-hmm. deeper, like Ooh. a tree coming from a seed, and oftentimes a seed is a thought, just the importance of your thoughts, like really practicing mm-hmm. getting the bad thoughts out of there. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, well, and I think to go along with these virtues and why we've made them small little snippets. So their first thought is if they're tempted, is they're going to go, I exercise self-control in my words and actions and even face with temptation, you know, like that will be their first thought. And I say it in that tone as if I'm a teenager, like about to do something. I'm like, Oh, my mom and dad have told me this for 10 years, you know, like, (laughs) but those are the things that you want to be on instant recall. And Mm -hmm. then those will be the virtues that as seeds are planted and then have been nurtured and watered layer over layer, cultivating this garden of these various fruit slash virtues. Yeah. Philippians 1 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, that's funny, the hymn we're going through in um at our co-op. So he's beginning these good works in us, and he will bring them to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So obviously we will not be made perfect until we are reunited with Christ. I believe this, the hymn is called Christ Forevermore. We've been going over it at our co-op. Um, but it ties in so well to this verse in Philippians 1.6. Um, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we were talking about, um, on Tuesday, we were talking about how obviously we will be perfected and reunited at completion Uh you know, in heaven with Christ. But then we were also talking about how we are able to help complete the works of Christ here on earth through um, sharing the gospel, through how we live our lives. And so um, uh, that we would love God and others. um, And we are able to help complete the work that Christ came to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some things to just kind of ask ourselves and ask our children about this virtue is what do we want ruling over us and how do we distinguish ourselves from the world? And I would think if we think about culture, how much do you see self-control is not people's go-to? And so what are people being ruled by, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're being ruled by, um, agendas, uh, self care. I mean, there's all these things that it's like, I'm being ruled over by because that's the pressure. That's what I've been told, or I haven't been taught self-control. So it's really hard for grown people <laughs> to not do this if they've never been trained. Mm-hmm. And so we want to help our children again with, Um, even with their thoughts and attitudes and actions, like you are in control of those. And because we've given our lives to Christ, um, we're going to institute self-control to help us so that when you do grow and get older, you will be self-disciplined to continue to foster those things that we want to in our life Mm -hmm. and to stay away from the things that we do not. 
um, you're just setting them up for easier success. You know, you don't want your children to be ruled by the whims of culture or, or then you can even go down, you know, or ruled by food or ruled by uh, looks or trying to people please. I mean, there's so many things that this virtue really covers um, and it's really important to help our kids be able to know what it is, how to do it, um, to set them up. Yeah. It's good. I always find it interesting how contrary to the scripture the world is. Um, cause you know, the world kind of preaches that like almost that like sin is freedom. Right. They're like, you know, being free to do whatever you want. That's freedom. That's life. That's liberation. Mm-hmm. But we know as Christians that that is in enslavement. Right. And bondage. I think, and mm-hmm. I think we're, we're seeing a lot of the fruit of that in our culture just because of all of the quote unquote liberation we've been experiencing as a culture for the past several decades. And mm-hmm. now it's just kind of all collapsing in on itself. And, yeah. um, and now, I mean, we were just very, 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 very confused. We don't know up or down as a, as a society. And then, and I think it's just a byproduct of, um, just this lie that, not having self-control and doing whatever you want is the path to a fulfilled life. Right. But it's not. No. Second Timothy one seven says for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he's already given that to us. And, um, I know maybe we've used this analogy before. We will continue to use it like you have muscles and like you have things that you want to develop. You have to practice. Yeah, we do. So we are practicing um, love. We are practicing self-control. We are practicing, you know, having the power of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, as your child grows, it's you have to help them practice and that will take time and effort and all these things do, right? But we know that it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worth it for us as parents. It's going to be worth it for our children. Yeah. You know. And that's a great thing to tell your kids that God, I mean, that the spirit of fear is not from God. He right. gave us power, love, and self-control. Yeah. And like even with one of our kids right now who's kind of... Um, He's battled a little bit for, I don't know. Like two months? Two months maybe with, mm. and I think it's, he's maybe only had two actual right. bad dreams, but um, literally just continuing to try to instill in him the fact that like that fear is not, that's not from God. And that is something that we can take mm-hmm. authority over. And so just to continuing to, to pray and believe, you know, that like just even thinking about the past two nights, I feel like we've hit a little bit more strong on the head with like, you're not going to have bad dreams. We're going to pray that, you know, and then Mm -hmm. he said he slept great the past couple nights, but I think it's just important for him to understand that he's not defeated Mm -hmm. because he had a bad dream. Right. Well, and setting him up, you know, obviously when you lay a kid down and they're, I I don't want to have a bad dream. I don't want to think about this and that. And you're like, then why? Then don't think about it right now. (laughs) You know, like we believe God is going to give you great, happy dreams. What are some dreams that you would like, you know, like we try to redirect and give him not things to be fearful of before you go to bed. Like, we'll try not to think of the monsters. Try not to think, you know, because that would be all he would think about. But we try to, no, we can, you don't have to think about that. We see good things all day long. We talk about good things all day long. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that you're going to dream about. And you're right. He had, he has done better. All right. When we resist temptation, we learn to notice its strengths, faces, and tactics. It prepares us for future run-ins with those temptations. And I think that goes back to um, self-discipline of being able to manage and determine, you know, what we're going to say or do. So again, just the enemy is trying to learn about you and your faults. And if you can already pre-program some of those responses, you're going to do better in mm-hmm. the long run. So knowing like, oh, I am always tempted to get cake when I go to the mall or somewhere, you know. The mall serves cake? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. Do you eat cake at the mall? I mean, I like cookie cake. I haven't been to the mall in a while, but every time I go, I'm like, you know what? I should probably just check out Great American Cookie. Mm-hmm. So if there are things that you naturally do Although, in certain situations. I got to say. 
ever since Bake Sale has opened. Which I, that's your local. That's a local bakery that a friend of ours is yes. a wizard behind making. Did you see the new cookie that's out for this month? Uh-uh. It's like, it's like Thanksgiving in a cookie. It's, it's like got stuffing in it, it. Bourbon, pecan, brown sugar, caramel. Hmm. I don't know. I just read about it. It sounded really. I mean, good. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> but ever since we had their cookies, Great American Cookie to me has just kind of lost a little bit of its luster. <sighs> okay, well, I was trying to make another great metaphor here. Sorry, go for it. <laughs> But for those of you who are in the Wichita, Kansas area, <laughs> just give go away, to Bake Sale because they're the best cookies are. you can get. That's where we are, everybody. Okay. Um, so, but if you go grocery shopping and if every time you go down the ice cream aisle, you have to buy some ice cream, then maybe don't go down that aisle or have someone else go to the grocery store or et cetera, et cetera. That's a great way, husbands, to get your wives to go do the grocery shopping because you're too tempted. <laughs> But look for those natural patterns. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Look for those natural patterns to where you are naturally tempted. Like even in your children, they are naturally tempted to have a tantrum if they're put down (laughs) 30 minutes later or if this happens or, you know, like try to help sort of facilitate those so that um, you can help them be like, hey, last time that was a really bad idea after you did that. So maybe let's not do that this mm-hmm. time. Um, try to help them kind of notice those things yeah. of, oh, every time I hit my brother, he's going to punch me back. Well, maybe don't hit your brother. Like, yeah. yeah. And even just from some of the conversations we've had at church and stuff, like temptation, it's not going to bed anytime soon. Like it is very alive and active in mm-hmm. all of our lives. And there are like, we have more temptation I feel like I can boldly say we have more temptation now than probably ever Mm -hmm. in human history just because we have access to so much. Like, we are not dictated by the culture as Christians. Like, the culture is going to keep putting out new things, new experiences, new stuff. Um, And, like, as a parent, you have to have discernment Mm -hmm. not to... um, allow the things in your home that aren't that aren't going to serve the purpose of your home Mm -hmm. and like even uh like our pastor said before like if you were if you can't overcome temptation on your phone even with all the filters like there's a workaround for everything all the whatever like if you is like maybe it's time for you to downgrade to a dumb phone that's what he says you know um because like what would you what would you rather would you rather have the phone and lose your life Mm -hmm. or or have a less functioning phone, but then begin to like to not have that temptation in your palm every, every day. Um, and so it's just important for you to use wisdom and discernment to see the, see the things in your life that are causing temptation or causing time sucks or, or, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. And then take the steps to not allow those things to control you. Which, what is it? I think the brain isn't fully formed until you're like 25. Yeah. Your child, I'll do a little call out. Your child does not need unlimited access to an iPhone or to a phone with internet at any point Mm -hmm. during middle school now. Yeah. I wish we, I wish we had the statistics, but they say like on app, like the average age for kids to see porn is nine for the first time is nine is nine. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. And even thinking, like I mentioned earlier, like the first time I experienced those types of images, I was, I think I was probably 12 or 13 and it was like on a friend's laptop and you had to like seek it out to yeah. find it. And we still able, able were to do that. And now it's like, literally it's not, there. it's not yeah, yeah. difficult. No. And so if you are a parent <laughs> who has given your child, whatever age they are, a phone or I guess better yet a smartphone. Yeah. Um, one that has internet access and you are not monitoring it. Like you, you got to, cause statistically speaking, they've already seen a lot. So, um, well, and again, they already know those, they know those workarounds. Yeah. I'm a part of some group. The kids are sneaky. Yeah. They have not developed self-control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there was a story that came out 
with U version, the Bible app, that teenagers teenagers were getting into the U version and were able to manipulate things to be yes. able to to do inappropriate things communication wise right. in there. And their parents just think, Oh, my kid was on the U version app for six hours today. And it's like, why was my kid reading the Bible for six hours? It doesn't seem like Timmy. Um, <laughs> right. But if you, if you haven't fostered these virtues in them, then they, they don't, they don't know. And the amount of hormonal dopamine hits that they are getting from the excitement which all of these things bring because they do they haven't developed self-control and then you are just being like here hope that you're able to figure it out it's like no you have to you have to help your child understand know why and if if you've already if your child has already gone down that road it is okay to be the bad parent and say, I have to go back on my word. You do not get a phone. I think some people are afraid to step on their kids' toes. And it's like, for my child's safety and for their well-being, I would hope that you would want to develop self-control yeah. in them for the future. Set, for the, set them uh, up. For the love of everything holy, don't let the reason you give your kid a phone be so that they can fit in with their friends. Oh, my gosh. Listen, we have we have a... I mean, we do social media th for Biblically Centered, and I, you know, with much chagrin or whatever the term is, uh, we have a TikTok, which I was always, which I've always been anti-TikTok. Yes. Um, but now we have one for Biblically Centered, and so we'll, you know, post th things in there two or three times a week. But like, it it's weird, and I'm not even talking about like inappropriate like things. I'm just talking about like philosophies worldviews oh, yeah. um trends that are just so prominent on tiktok um like so yeah and i know that little girls i mean parents we know who are just giving their kids smartphones at young ages and they're all learning the tiktok dances well then you have your kid who is you know playing on some team with these kids and they don't fit in because they don't know these tiktok dances so i'm gonna give them a smartphone so they can you know fit in it's like no that's not a reason to give your kid a phone. I understand some parents who like will give their kid like they have like some kid like quote unquote dumb phones where it's like right. you can you can text and call. Yeah. I can understand some validity to that, you know, if you just need to access communication with your kids. But to give your kid a all access pass to the internet when they're, you know, twelve or under and just hoping for the best, like I was a good kid. Oh. Like even still to this day, even knowing all of the mistakes and things I did and things I wish I did differently and, and struggles I have in my own life, like looking from the outside in, I was one of the good kids. <laughs> um, and I, and I still had these issues and struggles. And so don't think because your kid is a good kid that they're not going to be tempted. You like, we have to help set our kids up better for success yeah. and trying to make your kid cool and fit in. It's not, that's not, especially in this day and age, oh, that's not a virtue. No. Your kid does not need to be cool <laughs> and your kid does not need to fit in. Your kid needs to not have mental health plague them for the rest of their life because of seeing things they didn't need to see at a young age. Right. I'd rather my kid be a dork and live <laughs> until they're 80 than be super cool and in the in crowd and battle with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts at a young age. I was raised in a bubble and there for a little while I was like, oh, I was kind of weird. And now I am so, so, so thankful that I grew up in a bubble and still kind of keep myself in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Like we can keep ourselves sheltered from the world, not in a bad way. Obviously, we're going to interact with the world, but we want our children to be prepared for that world. And so to prepare them, we have to kind of shelter them now, make sure their foundation is secure, make sure that their self-confidence in Christ and who he made them is above all the top thing in their life and not what so-and-so says or this person or that person, or if they think I'm cool, like, no, my confidence is in Christ and who he made me so that then when they're older, they can share that with their friends of like, mm -hmm. No, God made you to look like that. That is amazing. Or God gave you this or, you know, like we want to help our children. The last virtue, I'll give it away. Virtue Z is about sharing the gospel. And we can only effectively share the gospel if we have a picture of Christ and God and who he is accurately 
in our life. And so if we don't give our children the tools to see that clearly, then they will not be to communicate that effectively. And so when they have friends who are going down these roads of self-harm and depression and things, our kid is not going to be equipped and I, not kid, grown adult, you know, I, our kids are not equipped right now to do that. <laughs> Some kids might be, but that, that should not be the pressure on them. Like you want to set your child up so that when they are an adult, they will be around these same friends who have gone through a decade of self-doubt, harm of who even knows all the other things they will have dealt with. And your child will be able to say, Hey, actually, you don't need to think those things about yourself. And actually, I know who God says you are and you don't have to be depressed about that. It doesn't matter what situation you are in. Christ has defeated it. It, He and you is stronger than the world. And they'll be able to build those people up because they themselves were built up. Sorry, that was a very... That was powerful. Thank you. <laughs> And even That's goes a to very show. long rant, but just like the importance of keeping your child. And I don't like using the word sheltered, but you are sort of taking the brunt of that for them. You know, we are putting them in this nice little home, keeping out the wind and the rain and everything so that their faith and like we've talked about, their roots can be strong so they can have these fruits so that then who are people going to look to? They're going to look to those who are established, who are confident, who do have answers for things because right now people don't have answers for things and they're turning to everything. Mm -hmm. So we want our children and ourselves to be people that are standing firm. And so when someone's like, I have a question about this. Oh, they've always stood firm to what they believed. I'm going to ask them. Mm. And I think in my own life, I've struggled with that of like, I am a very black and white person. Obviously I know that there are some great areas that we that I do have, but for the most part, I am very black and white on a lot of things. And I've struggled with like being judged for those things or how does that come across? But I always go back to, I want to be known for this so that if in the future that person is needing advice or something on that, they know black and white where I stand so that they can come back and be like, okay, I know you're pretty firm on this. Why? Mm -hmm. It's good. <laughs> um, I mean, simply, simply put, like you use the term like being in a bubble um, and I get like from a worldly perspective, the negative connotation that can come along with that. Um, and it's not so much that we're trying to not expose our kids to certain, well, what's the best way to say it? You, I mean, you said it great. The, the idea is that we are nurturing them to give them strength. Right. Um, and then I think then, as you are fostering and cultivating these things, you're able to bring in maybe a little bit out of at a time. Like I know our daughter, um, I think two years ago, our curriculum went through a lot of different worldviews. And that was a little daunting, but it was like, we have our firm foundation. We have our bubble that we've kept her in. She knows what we believe. So now one at a time, I'll be able to bring in and say, okay, ancient Greek believed xyz mm -hmm. what do we think about that okay well paul actually went out, you know and we're able to kind of bring that in just a little bit out of time so we're maybe choosing opportunities to bring up these things that kids will face with in culture but we're not just giving them free reign right. and then being like oh my gosh you learned about yeah. 12 things today a, it's yeah that's an important attribute of parenting is that you are taking ownership of your child's development right and I know culturally speaking, like that is not what the culture wants. The culture wants your kid to be fed in your home, but then to be nurtured and developed by culture and whatever so that they can fit into this mm -hmm. world that exists beyond our walls. Um, and while obviously, yes, we do want our kids to be a functioning member of society and to provide goods and services to society and to point people to Christ, but we don't want them to be raised in the world if you're like, well, that's kind of brainwashing your kid. And it's like, yeah, their brains need to be washed a little bit. Um, like the, the, you, you're, you're telling me you don't think the world's is brainwashing kids. Right. 
Like you don't think the curriculums that they're teaching in California is the reason that there's these spikes and all these crazy ideologies in California. That's not brainwashing. And I think, you know, being, you know, like washing our kids brains in the blood of Christ, like it's pretty good. You know, it needs to, it needs to happen while they're in our home. So yeah, we've been told we've been crazy for, in, <clears throat> for indoctrinating our children. And I think my question would be like, but aren't you also indoctrinating your children? Yeah everyone is being indoctrinated. It's yeah. just like, I would, I'm going to choose for my family that yes, we will indoctrinate them Yeah. in Christ. And I love what you said. Like, yes, we have to wash them in the blood of Jesus. I think that's really, I saw a little gift or not a gift. It was a little short video yesterday. And this is, you know, those people who go on the streets just to like interview people randomly and ask them questions. And this guy, and this is just an example of like how open-mindedness is not in fact open-mindedness. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a form of an indoctrination as well. He's like, are you okay with young kids transitioning? Yes. To Christianity. No. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you're okay with them transitioning as long as it's in the ideology of your worldview that you've adopted. Right. But you're not open-minded because if you're, ki- you know, you'd also be open-minded to the idea of them living a life for Christ. But, no. you know, I would venture to say it's probably not the case for most. <laughs> so, okay, well, we need to cut this off. Good job keeping this one short, babe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did we not exercise self-control? Not with our time. Our time. Mm-hmm. Sorry. All right. I'll well, be able to edit it down a little bit, I think. So we'll see what the end result is. But, um, whoo! Any last tidbits? Um, no, thank you. Like, subscribe. We appreciate it. That helps spread it to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like I said, the last episode, we do have, um, you know, all these virtues are centered around our curriculum, um, which is 98% yes. completed and will be available and is a great, great resource for you to adopt at any stage of your kid's life. And yeah. An institute, so we'll have more info on that soon. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening, and we will see y'all next time. Bye. There you go. <laughs>